Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Last week I talked to Will Ritter, the founder of the biggest splitboard binding company in the world, Spark R&D, about the origin story of Spark R&D, being based out of Bozeman, Montana, and building all of their products in Bozeman, and we discussed some of the milestones and setbacks that the company has achieved and survived along the way. And this week we're running part two of our conversation, where Will and I take a closer look at some of Spark R&D's current products, we get into the old hard boots versus soft boots debate, And Will talks about collaborating with other snowboard and ski binding manufacturers like Cast and 22 Designs. And so let's go ahead and jump back into it with Spark R&D founder, Will Ritter. Pick one product, one of the new products to talk about. Mm -hmm. So my favorite, um, you know, thing we have going next year, because I'm you know, I'm not just the president, I'm a client, but we have our, our pro series of bindings, uh, coming out for this next year, which is something that people have asked for over time. You know, I've, we've always kind of made the best binding for the most number of people I feel, you know, or is like the, the value that you get out of the product, like it's going to work great for almost everybody. But now with the pro series, we changed out about, you know, close to 20 different components on the bindings, um, for that high end user. Um, and so, you know, it's the first time we're doing something that's at, uh, you know, a premium price that has all the premium materials and so on in it. So it was kind of an interesting exercise to go through as far as like, just looking at each component of the binding, and, you know, a lot of it was like materials changes or, you know, like we're, we're making the heel loop screws for the first time, you know, and getting into that depth of nerding out on this product, you know, where it's like, Hey, if we, you know, if we make this screw ourselves, we could save like, you know, dude, we could save like six grams on this thing, you know, (laughs) and make a screw that like probably costs us a buck 50 instead of buying one for 14 cents, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of stuff like that. So. That was fun because it just covered a lot of a lot of ground on, you know, we switched out the the straps on the bindings. You know, you as a skier, you know, PBAX is a, you know, a well-beloved material in like the yep. boot world there. And I had been seeing that over and over again, walking around at trade shows and stuff. So we got some of that in last year because um, the our traditional um strap material that we're using on our straps is very similar to the like the strap we call them ladders and adjusters but Mm -hmm. you know the same plastic parts on a strap that everybody else uses we we use that uh to make them straps themselves but you know here we got into like some kind of high-end boot materials um with the p-backs on the straps and saved you know it's like close to 20 percent weight savings there and um, you know, some additional improvements with like durability and stuff like that. So, so it was fun to, it was a different kind of thing. Cause usually it's like, we're usually there's like a geometry or design change, you know, that kind of drives a product or whatever. But this one was kind of like, well, we're not really changing much geometry wise, but let's like review all these parts and like, how could we, how could we make like a premium, you know, the premium 
product comes from a bunch of different little premium parts on it. So at the end of the day, we, um, you know, shook out a bunch of weight on the parts or on the bindings themselves and are, you know, making the lightest, most functional splitty binding in the world, um, hmm. at a, at a good price, even at a bit of a premium. So, hmm. um, so that for me, that one is, that's my favorite this year. And, you know, also too, I just like to get out there for long days when I can. And, you know, it's just that binding's great and helps that, you know, every, every gram counts. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a question from our snowboard editor, Andrew Forward. He wanted me to ask, can we expect a drastic change in Spark's splitboard interface? He asked a longer question than that, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll be tantalizing. Yeah. I mean, in the short term, no, you know, okay. we have done our, you know, in the last couple of years we did our, you know, spark pucks came out, uh, in yeah. the, you know, previous to that, we were always built off of the, the volley pucks. Um, but we wanted to add, you know, more response and, and more adjustment than what you can get with the volley stuff. So it went from one of those, went from a situation where you could probably get your stance like about where you wanted it to, you know, and the pucks themselves had quite a bit of flex to them, which some people like, and some people don't, you know? Um, so we were able to, you know, again, update that design wise and went to a, a kind of a composite puck where there's an aluminum center disc and then a plastic outer, whereas the, the volley stuff was full plastic. So bumped up stiffness there and then added, you know, I mean, probably better adjustability than most people have on their resort boards. Um, mm -hmm. So you can get your stance just right, which, you know, for a snowboarder is pretty huge. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of like fine adjustment as far as like the toe and heel centering um, of the binding. So, you know, a fair amount of that is user preference, but, you know, you could imagine um even as a skier, if your heels are hanging way off one side or your toes are hanging off the other side, how that's going to cause problems for you, uh, trying to turn both ways and so on. So, um, we came back last year with, uh, a canted version of those pucks. And so that, um, you know, a fair amount of our soft booters like that. Um, but that one is really big for the hard booters as well, having that canted setup since they don't have as much, uh, flexibility in the boot. Um, it just helps you stand with your legs apart to have a canted setup there. So, mm -hmm. um, in terms of the interface, you know, at least in what's coming down the pipeline in the next, you know, year or whatever, it's going to, it's staying pretty much how it is, you know, but there's always, you know, there's always something we're thinking about, you know, and, you know, would certainly be stoked to have some aha moment out there and mm -hmm. uh change things up in a big way but you know uh, people do seem to get you know they're like well you know this volley thing like this has been around since 96 and actually the system that came before that um that you know fritchie and yuli bettenman and these other folks that only like super split nerds will know about was also a similar thing where it was like the kind of tongue and groove like slide on style um, you know, that was even earlier until like back to like 88 or like 85, but you know, the flip side of that, that I ask, you know, especially to you as a skier, it's like, well, when is the ski binding going to 
totally just changed into something yep. completely different. You know, it's yeah. like, looks like to me, you guys have, you know, there's improvements, you know, from my outside perspective, they've, you know, the release has gotten much more predictable. You know, you've got AFDs and all that jazz things are, you know, it's just nicer materials, stuff's more durable, lasts longer, whatever. But in terms of the basics of how someone gets in an Alpine binding or even a touring binding with a few exceptions, you know, that stuff's not changing, you know, super duper drastically either, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, to that point where it's like one of my cousins, when he was in college, he was like, we have this project, we're going to like redesign the bicycle. We're just totally starting from scratch, you know, whatever. And I was kind of like, yeah, but I think it's pretty like optimized, you know, like the way mm-hmm. a bike works or the way an Alpine binding works or, you know, the way our stuff works. And I am, you know. I give our customers and dealers the fits with like compatibility stuff. Cause I don't really care about it that much. And so, you know, I'm the kind of art sparks, the kind of company that would have, you know, Hey, yeah. Like our heel loop changed by this number. So like, if you have this binding from this year's, you need this one. And if you uh-huh. have it from these years, you need this other one, you know, and it's like kind of gets more like mountain bikey in terms of the compatibility stuff. Yep. Whereas like, you know, my counterparts over at Burton, you know, they value compatibility way more and it yep. makes sense because they're ginormous and make a gazillion units and, you know, are trying to just have like, for the most part, they have like two different styles of buckle, you know, and any any you know high school service kid working at whatever resort can fix some kid's binding when they bring it into the shop you know and so for me i'm i'm much less constrained with that stuff than most people are in snowboarding mm-hmm. so you know i guess to sum that up for uh for andrew it, you know i don't have anything immediately but when i do have that thing that is going to be like holistically better like you're going to see it because I'm not afraid to bring it out, you know? Um, But I think, you know, consumers in general get like so innovation hungry that it's like, you know, as they can start gravitating towards just different, not necessarily like different and better, which I'm sure is, you know, you spend your whole life in that zone with how much testing you do, you know? And it's like, you know, think about that with, like a ski or a snowboard where it's like, well, you've got, uh, generally a wood core with, you know, fiberglass and other things laminated onto it. And that makes a freaking awesome ski and snowboard. And it doesn't change insanely drastically, you know, even by the decade on some of that stuff. So, you know, you got to watch out for the new and different when it's just like, well, is this holistically better? (laughs) I, I think you, I think you know what we do at Blister well enough. I mean, I I spend a lot of time like defending the old thing. Yeah. You know, and I just I we keep writing please to product manufacturers like just do not tweak for the sake of tweaking. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them come back to us and they say, you know, if we don't do something new and switch it up, Nobody will talk about it. There's yeah. no, the, the story is killed. And so, you know, that's actually one of the really important things. If, if like, you know, at Blister, we really try to be on the side of the consumer 
And mm-hmm. so if we're testing new skis or new boots and it's like, you just made that thing worse. Yeah. That's our job to say that. And hopefully also reward companies for not like idiotically, you know, or I shouldn't say idiotically. They have their reasons, right? They, they need to move product. I understand that. But hopefully we're giving companies a more solid foundation and leg to stand on by not just pimping the latest greatest. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, you do see a ton of that, you know, almost clickbait in any industry, you know, when it's like, you know, Elon Musk is going to make this solar roof tile, you know, and it's like, Aaron's like, wow, amazing, you know, like, 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 and it's like, okay, but with no regard to like, well, how does a conventional or conventional solar setup work? You know, mm. and like, is there, what's wrong with it? Like, which problem are you fixing? You mm. know, and I mean, I'm sure you, you know, strolling around it at Interbike or 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 any of those things, yeah. you know, you just see all this like, hey, it's a snowboard, but it's clear, you know? Yep. And it's like, well, it's, I didn't consider that a problem, <laughs> you know, yeah. but yep. there's, there's a ton of that stuff. And and I would say too, you know, probably my counterparts that make Alpine ski bindings, you know, they would probably say to me like, well, hey man, yeah, that, that binding may look like a binding from the seventies, but like actually everything has changed, you know? Mm. And, you know, kind of on our side as well, it's like, well, yeah, our bindings slide tongue and groove onto pucks the same way Volley stuff does, but you know, the way our climbing wires work is different. The way you... You keep the binding on in ride mode is different. The way you keep it on in tour mode is different, you know, all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, there's a fundamental that's, that's in common, but you know, there's actually a lot of changes around that. Yeah. Andrew also wanted to know any thoughts on Karakorum's newly revised interface? Um, I think Andrew should give Tyler and Bryce a call and you guys can interview them about it okay. <laughs> and let them do their part. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I keep a pretty close watch on what, you know, the other companies are up to, but I generally say, say less <laughs> rather than saying more. So. Oh, damn it. Yeah. I was trying to get some shit talking started here. It's, no, uh, I was trying to bury the shit talking, you know, somewhere, somewhere in the episode. Yeah, no, it's, you know, and to that end as well, like I am lucky for the most part to work in an industry where it's like that kind of stuff just generally doesn't go on a whole lot, you know, where it's like, okay. you know, especially right now with like midterm elections and stuff going on, there's so <laughs> much of that, like sling and going around, you uh, know, and like luckily for <clears throat> us in the split board and even more so like split board binding world, we have, you know, Politicians could learn a lot from us with how we just, you know, act Ooh, around I like each it. other and all I that like jazz. It. So, you know, you don't have to scour the internet too hard to to find, you know, photos of, you know, the Spark and Karakorum guys like drinking beers together at trade shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not it's not what some people might think it is. So. Huh. Wow, I, the episode title is going to be like Lessons in Zen and Civility with Will. Sure. This is good. You're the kinder, gentler gear 30. Well, it's my, you know, it's that Midwestern upbringing. It's just never, it's never left me, I guess. I like it. You brought up boots. I feel like we should talk about hard boots versus soft boots. Age old debate. 
Obviously, hard boots kind of get the nod for Alpine performance. But, you know, just this is kind of one man's opinion, you know, question. Do you think that the kind of improved Alpine or downhill performance of hard boots, is it worth the compromise of the snowboard feel that you get from a soft boot? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's kind of the other way around where it's like the touring there's some really nice touring and, you know, just mountaineering advantages to the hard boots, um, which those, yeah. that user really gravitates toward. And then, you know, for most folks, when they, when it's time to take that board down the hill, feel like there's a number of setbacks on the, the riding side of things, you know, with the, with the hard boot versus the soft boot. But, um, you know, again, it's just all what what bothers you more (laughs) when you're out there, you know, as far as like the touring performance of a soft boot versus the downhill performance of a hard boot. Um, you know, while vocal, you know, the hard booters are in, you know, quite the minority, it's less than, you know, a percent of what we put out there. If Mm -hmm. I'm doing my mental math correctly off the dome, but you know, it's also like, everybody gets started on soft boots. So if it were the other way around, you know, things could be, could be different. So, um, but I think there's, you know, that that's getting into a lot of user choice kind of stuff. And so, um, there is not, you know, it really depends on the person first, you know, if you were to just like evaluate those things, you know, on their own, on the average, whatever, there's not a clear cut, like, you know, based on this 10 point test, this, this is the superior system over the other, you know? So, um, there's a lot of things to like, I think, I feel like my, my friends in the soft boot design world could, um, could look a little closer on a lot of the AT stuff that's going on out there as far as putting in cool features, uh, into a soft boot that would help you out for touring. Um, and my, you know, my friends at Burton, you know, I'm on a boot that they have that's called a tourist, which has uh, a lot of elastic built into the, the rear of the boot, which, Mm -hmm. you know, helps it flex for touring. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that certainly helps, you know, as far as someone making, you know, a full on like Dina fit style, like pivoting upper, soft boot um you know there's some some good work going on out there with like jeremy jones's boot at 32 where they have like a panel that kind of releases on the back to get you a little more stride and then solomon has a boot coming out this year that looks really cool that does have you know a lot more of a pivoting upper on the boot to help out with touring um but a lot of that stuff too it's like well that that's going to help you out for um like approaches and stuff like that, but not necessarily once you're actually climbing what you want to ride, you know, I don't know too many people who are on their, you know, their higher climbing wire, but are like deep knee bending their way up the skin track, you know? Um, and then, you know, at that point, I think like the, the pro client coming out did certainly kind of raise my eyebrows because they're like, all right, we're going to build in more lateral flex, for you know mountaineering to help you get around out there and i'm like well hey wait a minute aren't you like on hard booting the hard boot to make it more like my soft boots that i have on you know and like there's some there's some you know really gnarly uh mountaineering boots out there that are that are the soft ones 
you know, and guys do insane stuff on those. And so again, it's, I think it starts getting like muddy in between those where I think if you had a big enough budget, you could throw, you know, all those boots into the mix and make the perfect all around like hybrid, uh, you know, snowboard boot that he has like a full, you know, plastic, like extreme lower so you can kick steps with it and stuff. But then the upper is soft and has all the good flex and all that stuff. But, um, you know, that's a question I see pop up all the time when people are like, how come no one's making a split specific, like hard boot, you know? And it's, um, it's just a, it's a numbers issue, you know, Hmm. as far as like, there's not, uh, that many users calling for it. And then the tooling price getting into a hard boot, you know, that is not for the faint of heart. You know, you're talking six and seven figures to do that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be a minute on that front. So, um, Hmm. but it's great. It's really fun for, you know, me as a design challenge to get out, you know, like we did, um, you know, revised our hard boot binding last year. So I got, got some days in on, on hard boots, you know, and it's fun to just, you know, get out there and do it in a different way and see what the pros are and see what the cons are. And, you know, it's certainly eye opening, um, to, you know, take the good from one side and bring it to the other and back and forth and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's fun to have it in the mix for sure. I'm tempted to ask then if you, you have to bet a thousand dollars, the biggest innovation or leap forward is going to happen on the split binding side, split boards themselves, or boots? I think boots. I think yep. the boots are the latest to the party. Yep. Um, and so I think that's I think that's the one for sure. But it's also like the most difficult and most expensive part of things as well. You know, and like for me, it's like, you know, even year one, I can put out, I was able to put out our bindings in one size, you know, and like boot manufacturers don't have that luxury, you know, it's like they have to come out with a full size run, you know, generally pretty immediately. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff out there where it just comes out in a, you know, men's eight through 10 for year zero, you know, just to like get things moving, whatever, but. Yeah. There's an enormous amount of tooling and expense. And then just, you know, just the variation in feet out there is yeah. really gnarly to deal yeah. with, you know, and it's it's similar but not as bad in the soft boot world where it's like, I'm lucky I have a burden foot, you know, my friends that have narrow feet, it drives them bonkers, you know, it's it's similar but not as bad as, you know, you may have a you may have a, a Garmont foot and not a Scarpa foot and all that stuff, you know, that the touring folks, you know, ski touring folks have been challenged with for a long time. So, yeah, you know, feet vary like crazy. What people want to do vary like crazy. And so, yeah, boots are really, really hard. So there's a, yeah. there's, there's a lot that can be done there, but there's also substantial expense to do anything in yep. that, in that zone. So we've talked obviously about bindings. We just talked about boots. How happy are you with the current state of split boards themselves as a kind of generalization? Are the boards themselves these days, do you think, pretty dialed in? 
definitely still need to see some evolution. What's your take on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, like like any, you know, even just the on the resort boards thing, like boards now are awesome in general compared yeah. to what we had in the past. I mean, we've got some, you know, 10, 12 year old boards around the shop here kind of hanging on the wall as decorations. And you pick the things up and they're just tanks, you know, and they flex like a two by 10 and whatever. And so, you know, just general board, you know, and ski manufacturing has come so long, so far that in general, the boards are super duper dialed, you know, and the the folks that get to start split boarding now with these awesome shapes and high quality materials, along with, you know, a nice binding and interface to make it go. I mean, they're hopping on boards that would have, you know, would have blown minds even just on the resort, I think, back when we got started. So hmm. that that stuff's doing very well, you know, f- for my personal tastes, I have I have this carbon habit now which is kind of problematic where it's like i am starting to really i'm on that train for sure you know where i'm kind of now where i'm like can i now have a rock carbon splitty you know (laughs) because getting on my glass boards now just kind of bums me out um but again that's that's also just the kind of rider i am where it's like i'm I really have fun on these long days and just want to get around fast. And I think yep. the boards, you know, that's come a long way and they ride great, but you know, it is kind of a differentiation because I don't think most guys would be that psyched to hop on one of my carbon boards and go and like smash through like resort chunder all day long. Yeah. yeah. Whereas they can do that on their glass splitties for sure. Yep. You know? And I mean, there's plenty of people out here that they just don't, they don't necessarily have a resort solid anymore. Um, Mm. Or if they do, it's just a financial consideration. It's not because they don't like how their board rides or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I am now, I'm kind of, I'm more niche on the board side of things because I want to see more fun shapes in Mm. really light carbon stuff. Um, But I know that that's really expensive and, you know, is going to be a small percentage of the overall board production that's out there. Mm. Um, I think it's an awesome time to be a split boarder because, you know, I started uh, account myself before uh, trade shows this last year on like how many brands were making split boards. And I'm I'm up over 65 now. And so there you've counted that there say that again. More than 65 companies make a split board and that's, you know, that's everything from, you know, the large scale conventional stuff, you know, like Burton and Jones, uh, down to like a custom, you know, Franco shapes split, you know, that you would order in Jackson, you know, and they're all hand built one of a kind, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, at the end of it, you know, it's like my count 65, there's probably, I mean, I know there's more that I don't know about. So the number of shapes and stuff that you have to choose from now is, you know, mind boggling, frankly. Mm-hmm. So kind of however you want a boogie, there's a board for it. So mm-hmm. that's great. And by and large, everything is being built very well. So it's mm-hmm. a really good time in split boarding and just in snowboarding in general, the shapes are, there's a huge variety. And so you can, you can whatever you're into, you can find a board for it. So Mm. it's pretty cool that way. Whereas when I got started, 
you know, you had choice of, you know, a volley, a Burton, a Venture, a Prior, and or cutting your own board in half, you know, and that yep. that was how people solved the the variety problem back in the day. You know, they're like, well, I love this board. It's not in a split, so I'm going to buy yep. two and split one of them. Um, but, you know, when you cut it down the middle, it changes a bit. You know, when they make a split board, they change the construction a bit so it it rides better and so on. Um, yeah. It doesn't get, like, too soft, you know, compared to how they build the solids. But, but yeah, it's it's an awesome time in split boarding for sure. You know, the mm. the flip side to that that I worry about is just, you know, I'm on the binding side of things. I'm one of like four or five and you know, our, we've got a market share that I am very pleased with. And, <laughs> you know, I know the living that it provides us and my employees. So I do worry about when you're getting into, you know, a world that has 60 to 80 board manufacturers that there's enough pie to go around, you know, so people don't go hungry essentially. So yep. that's just, you know, but at the same time, it's like, well, I understand why all those, everybody wants to take their shot at it because it's, you know, they want to have a board company. It's fun, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just like all the boutique ski brands, like who, who's, who says you're not the next, you know, forefront or something that's going to start tiny and then end up actually sizable and stick around. So, mm. um, yeah. Mm. Let me ask if you are willing to talk about it i'm aware of uh, at least a couple sort of collabs that you are involved with are we allowed to talk about this i got i got clearance from my collaborators before our before our call today oh, so, very smart yes, i've been i've been greenlit to talk about collaborations so because you you know we started our conversation talking about you know a, a whole bunch of collaborations that you that's what you did right mm-hmm. uh, kind of at the beginning and it's like well those days aren't done right, right. i think that's quite interesting talk to us a bit about that sure so you know uh, one of our new products for this year is a a tech toe that's designed for a split board, you know, that doesn't need uh, an adapter for the hard boot folks. So, you know, in the past we've sold an adapter and actually sold Dinafit toe pieces for uh, the Dina splitters as they're sometimes known Dina splitters yeah. out there, um, you know, which again, a low tech solution to the problem, you know, uh, as far as pretty inexpensive uh, aluminum parts that you can bolt up a toe to, but you know, over time is, is kind of similar to what we did with the binding where it's like, anytime there's an adapter for something, if you can integrate that adapter, you probably get something pretty cool out of it, you know? Um, and so I had been, you know, worked with DinaFit again, you know, another great company, great people, you know, Drew Saunders for sure, uh, in our, our, you know, homies to thank list, uh, as far as like taking a chance on this weird, you know, split binding company and selling us parts, um, you know, especially for, uh, you know, an AT brand with their reputation, you know, a lot of them would just be like, well, the right answer is always no. When the snowboarders come calling just cause that you could dilute the brand or they could do something weird, whatever. So, hmm. um, so I had been in touch with them. Um, and a couple other uh, AT binding brands over the years. So just, just looking, you know, kind of the same thing where it's like, hey, could you sell me like just this parts, these parts of a toe piece? 
and then I'll make my own base so it can just get directly mounted to the conventional split board hole pattern. Um, and I had a lot of conversations with people on that front over time. Um, but you know, short answer is, you know, like, yeah, we're not into that. And I get it. Mm. Cause they were like, well, we don't have control over it. You know, it wouldn't be made by us or tested, you know, we're not interested in just making you that product in the first place. Cause the numbers are tiny and all that kind of stuff. So I had been, you know, shopping around looking for a company that would do that. And then, um, saw that, you know, I had been in touch with Lars over at cast touring over the years. Um, we had, you know, sold him some Dina fit toe pieces actually, which was funny that he had to cross over to the dark side with the snowboarders to buy Dina fit toe pieces. Cause he couldn't <laughs> buy them himself directly. Um, but over time, you know, I saw that, uh, Lars, you know, was, took the leap and was like, Hey, we're going to develop our own toe piece, you know? Mm. And I got in touch with Lars and I was like, Hey man, I, I saw your, you're doing that. And, uh, you know, I was like, here's what I want to do in split boarding. He's like, great. Let's, uh, you know, let's make a deal as far as like this thing still needs some more refinement. Um, so could you guys help us a bit on the development side? And then could you help us uh, on the manufacturing side? Cause they're going to outsource the machining anyway. And mm -hmm. so they're like, well, how about you do that? And we're like, mm -hmm. great. So got to tag team that project uh with Lars and my guys this year as far as getting this um ready to roll so yeah we collaborated with uh with Lars and also with um Chris over at 22 designs there um and also are collaborating with Phantom um which is another uh, hard boot only split binding that's out there um and John's a good friend there um mm. and so we're making them, you know, making them a toe piece as well. So essentially between these four companies are helping to bring out this, this new tech toe piece, um, for, you know, those four companies. So that's um, very cool. Yeah. So, and I mean, they're, you know, they're relatively in the neighborhood, they're down in Driggs there. So it's about, yep. you know, four hour drive. So it's, it's just been cool to see us each like bring something to the table that can hmm. help each other out. And, um, you know, also just kind of learn from our different companies because everybody approaches things in a different way. So, you know, it's cool that, you know, I got to go to the skiers, you know, for help with this thing, but they get to go to the snowboarders for help with manufacturing and stuff. So it's a, it's a, you know, it is the, the anti, uh, knuckle draggers and two plankers, uh, yeah. you know, stereotype <laughs> that you might, you might expect. So. Yet, um, yet, yet another lesson of uh, peace and bringing people together uh, for the yeah. for the people who are still stuck in the 1980s when we're you know skiers aren't supposed to like snowboarders or vice versa. This is uh wow. This podcast is what the world <laughs> needs these days. That's right. So thanks for setting the example uh, yeah. for uh, for Americans everywhere. Politicians, please you know listen to that yeah. part twice. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we need to elect you know like you and Laura. You guys can uh president and vice president, maybe? No. Oh, there we go. Not at all. <laughs> not negative. Nope. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, given some of the current options, yeah. um, I might roll the dice on you two. No, I I know what I'm good at, and it, that's not <laughs> it's not that. 
that's not that's not my zone but you know i people that are talented on that front i have nothing but respect for so Mm. i should ask what's the best question i haven't asked you hmm oh man i should have been ready because i've listened to you know most of your podcasts i should Mm. have had one on deck but it always sneaks up on you yeah i guess you know the question would be what's the secret to spark success that nobody or that isn't on most people's minds Hmm. and you know the answer to that question is my lovely wife becca who is our cfo and my my partner in an infinite number of ways you know because i am kind of the analogy that you know i use a lot is that you know, I, I spend most of my time thinking about what we're going to be doing in a year, you know, or a couple of years mm-hmm. down the road. So I'm kind of the kite that's up there, you know, looking at the future and I'm not afraid to think about like really weird things because, you know, really disruptive things for us. Cause it's, you know, it's theoretical and there's time to figure it out. And, you know, Becca is kind of the string and the person on the ground that's keeping me from just flying away and <laughs> our, like our, our eventual doom, you know, as far as like she is, <laughs> she is very, uh, you know, she's a complete wizard at the numbers, you know, I mean, it's, it almost gets kind of creepy when she, she's like, yep, here's my budget for this year for this thing. And she's like, ah, oh, man, I, I blew it. I was off by $7, you know, and it's just like, who, who's you know, what did you sell to who to like be so talented at this stuff? Um, you know, she somehow manages to do that stuff. And then also like, um, you know, does a ton of like just brand work with our, uh, graphic graphics and marketing and sales department. Um, you know, or she has a ton of talents there is, you know, if you like the colors, you know, that's kind of the old jokes with companies. It's like, you know, ask the ask the wife of the owner what her favorite color is and that's you know that's the one you're gonna see come out in in the binding line or whatever so Hmm. but yeah she is you know i'm certainly way more out there she is like a lot more conservative and so we it's a very happy medium you know there Uh, but in common we both work our asses off and you know generally are trying to do you know whatever we're doing, we're trying to do it to a very high level. So, Mm. so yeah, that's the, you know, everyone thinks it's like just me and like my weird ideas that have like made this go, but you know, that's, that's part of it. But like, you know, this building, we wouldn't own this building without her, you know, that's our solar array that went up this year. Like that was like an pretty much all on Becca's plate and is, you know, uh, yeah, wait, you need to say something about that. Yeah. yeah so. By the way, by the way, I'm just telling you right now, we're going to have a different conversation down the road about solar. Sure. That's just that's a that's a teaser for what's coming down the line on some stuff. But yeah, say more about solar and spark. Sure. So, you know, that was something that Becca and I we had gotten interested in a very long time ago. We used to go to this environmental conference in town here called Bioneers. Um and, you know, we'd get all fired up on whatever green stuff um, they were talking about. But we were just, you know, we're like college kids in a one bedroom apartment. You don't have much uh, agency to do a whole lot of groundbreaking environmental stuff. And then, you know, here we are, you flash forward 15 years and it's like, oh, like 
we're a manufacturer. We own a building. We could like, we could actually do something cool, you know? And, um, my friend Connor that I had talked about before, he owns his own, uh, with a partner owns a solar company in town here called onsite energy. Hmm. And we just started talking to them and, um, you know, it's not what a lot of people think. It's not just some, you know, bleeding heart, liberal way to waste your money. Like you, when you put in a solar installation in a, in an industrial setting, you break even in seven years. And then after that you're saving money. And yep. so, you know, that's kind of my joke with people is like, well, I could hate the earth and put a solar array on my building because like, it's gonna, it has a return, yep. you know, yep. it's just like anything else. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, we went with, um, the biggest array we could put up at the time, which is a 50 mm. kilowatt array. Um, there's a lot that goes into it as far as how big you can go, which has to do with our power company and rules in the state of Montana. They just changed things so we could go up to a 65 in the future, um, mm. which we will look into for sure. Um, just the way we manufacture things and uh, just manufacturing in general, it's an energy hungry uh, thing to do. So mm-hmm. we're offsetting uh, right around 25% of our power use with the solar. So mm. You know, I have, I have eight CNC machines. I have an injection molding machine. I have an anodizing line. Like all those things use a lot of power. So, um, it's great for us to, you know, take a big bite out of that, um, and offset a bunch of, you know, in our state, which would, um, you know, generally be like, um, uh, natural gas, like power production, if I'm not mistaken. So. So it was a really cool project, got a ton of support, ton of, you know, good vibes on that front from people. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny cause we've had two weird electrical things. I mean, weird electrical things will happen just when you're using a lot of power anyway. And two yeah. times when we've just been like, oh man, the arrays goofed up, you know, like what's wrong with this, whatever. And then it always comes out later on. It's like, no, that was actually like either, you know, a machine malfunction or like, no, that was like a power spike from the, from the line, you know, like from the power company. Whereas like the mm-hmm. solar, like it just, just keeps cruising along, you know, mm-hmm. it's actually, it's really clean power. It's conditioned a number of times. So our CNC machines are sensitive to the input power, you know, they need good power and, and they're, uh, they're happy to have it, you know? Huh. So yeah, it's kind of funny if you couldn't see it when you're driving up to the shop, you just wouldn't know that we that there's solar going on in the building you know whereas you might expect with a you know non-mainstream power source like that that there'd be some headaches to deal with but it's been problem free so we're psyched Hmm. we're looking to do more in the future that's very cool Yeah. yeah and i think frankly more of us need to stop talking about it or thinking about it and start moving and implementing. And so, yeah, credit to you guys for uh, not just talking and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's just, it's also good business. So it's great that that's where we're at, that it's good business and it's, you know, good for everything else. So, yeah. Well, Will, I should let you get going, but this has been a really good conversation. Yeah. Great talking to you as well. And you know, I'm happy to come on Blister and represent for the knuckle draggers out there. So, <laughs> you know, I'm in I'm in good company with your saying like Xavier and uh, a couple other yeah you know, snowboarders have been on there. So, had a lot of fun and 
And yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks again. And I will talk to you real soon. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care, Will. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks again to Will Ritter for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And finally, thanks to you for leaving us a nice rating or review on iTunes if you are enjoying these episodes. So if you are, please go ahead and leave us that rating or review right now. And while you do that, we will go ahead and start prepping for our next episode. And we will then talk to you again next Friday. Thanks, everybody, and take care.